Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, Kate Inglis, author of A Great Big Night. Whether you're talking about writers, musicians, dancers, or actors, they all pose a perennial question. How do creators of art find their ideal audience and connect with them? And of course, it's understood that no matter how good or well-intentioned you are in creating art, some people will never like what you do. On one level, Kate Inglis's A Great Big Night is about some musicians, who happen to be frogs, pedaling into the woods on a bicycle built for three to play a gig for woodland animals. What's not to love? Well, while most of the animals are delighted to watch and listen to the show, one isn't. Kate Inglis, welcome to Book Me. Hello, so good to talk. Tell us more about the storyline of A Great Big Night. Oh, I feel like it's a, it's a bit of a storyline that any artist can relate to. As you had noted, we've got three musicians who happen to be frogs, who sort of tow their wagon full of all kinds of wonderful things, fiddles and guitars and bowerns and drums, and they, they go through the woods putting on concerts for all the other animals. But in one particular episode, they put on a concert and they have one particular animal, the grouse, who doesn't understand the value of what he calls riffraff. <laughs> and so he, he objects, seeing that this is a waste of time and that this is not making your mother proud. And then a big storm uh, overtakes the forest. Everyone has to flee. And really, the story is about music sort of rallying us together as a community. And the grouse uh, sort of learns that lesson in a really interesting and, and hopefully funny and sweet and poignant way. So the grouse stops grossing. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> now, in your dedication, you say a great big night is, quote, for all the little frogs, the musicians, artists, dreamers, and their marvelous riffraff, what had been on your mind that made you write that dedication? I've shared the stage literally and figuratively with artists of all kinds throughout my creative career. And we've always, you know, over coffee, over beer, uh, lunches, and in between sort of festival performances, we, we talk a lot about what it's like to, you know, tear out and shape your heart. And, and to be in this creative, this creative endeavor and the struggle of having the, the moxie to go out there and, and, and put your art uh, in front of people and, and hope for the best. And I think every time I spend time with other artists, I feel so bolstered by sharing that glory and sharing the anxiety and sharing the hustle of creation. It's really, really therapeutic to me. And so when I wrote this book, which had been kind of stewing for quite some time, I was really thinking of them. I was thinking of, of what a gift they give to us. And of course, music is one of those avenues that, that is one of the most visceral in terms of all of us experiencing it together. Whereas obviously, when we engage in literature, we're, we're most of the time reading in a very small group or by ourselves. So I thought, you know, music is really one of those sort of hallmark moments where we all come together as a community and share space and share the emotion of creating these sounds and weaving them together in harmony. You wrote this book pre-COVID, and mm. the pandemic instantly made it harder than ever for uh, the little frogs to connect with yeah. their audiences. 
What's it been like watching that unfold? I honestly, I, I feel the same way watching the artists as I do watching the restaurateurs, watching the chefs, watching the people with little shops, um, all of whom, of course, are my friends all throughout the South Shore. And I feel like it really has rocked everyone, and particularly for artists. I think it's it's particularly isolating because the company we get in our art is in in the sharing of it. And so when we don't have readers, when we don't have listeners, when we don't have people clapping and, you know, stomping their feet and dancing and asking for more, we feel kind of marooned. But I do feel like it's also important for us to say, okay, you know what, this is going to be a bit of a deep dive. I'm going to create, I'm going to keep creating, and I'm going to be ready to kind of jump right out of the gates the moment we return to normal. And I think all of us have to just try to kind of hunker down for now, but the most important thing is to be ready for when things are back to normal so that when when we're allowed to kind of operate at full spirited capacity, that we're ready. You've written in different genre and for different age groups before. What, What led you to writing a book for children? Yeah, well, I started out writing novels for children, sort of for older children. Um, And then I wrote a very, very silly picture book about dress up, which was a lot of fun to write if I were a zombie. Um, And after that, I went into adult nonfiction about grief and then back to picture books again. So I really do feel like I write whatever moves me. Um, I have kids of my own. So sometimes in the past, I've, I've written for them, although never quite at the right moment. When I wrote my novels, they were little. When I wrote my picture books, they were big. (laughs) But the experience of being a parent and also just being friends with so many fabulous and strange and giggle-filled and, and sweet, crazy kids has, has always been an inspiration. I find them a lot less scary than adults because kids will give you their weirdness much more freely than adults will. <laughs> and so I feel like I'm, I'm just, I've finished just now writing my first novel for adults and that one's got me turned inside out. Just <laughs> imagining book clubs and imagining, you know, all of the other various vulnerabilities that come with writing for adults. But I guess I already did it before in the last book that I wrote on grief. So so I just really love the variety, mostly. What did A Great Big Night challenge you to do as a writer that you hadn't tried with the other books? Oh, that's a great question. I think it was... You know, one thing that I did find, this might be an overly tactical response, but (laughs) I found in the beginning that when I set myself free from rhyme, it was like a prison break. So it was a really wonderful thing to not feel sort of constrained by form. And that was something that was very, very illuminating and, and wonderful. I think with this one also, it's... The first picture book that I wrote was a really silly book for seven-year-olds. And this one, I think, is more for the kids as well as the parents. Yes. If that makes sense. And so that's something a little bit new for me. This one feels, you know, If I Were a Zombie is a book that gets dragged around until it falls apart. (laughs) (laughs) And this new one sort of feels like it's, it's a little bit more of an heirloom book. But at the same time, I do hope, and I think I've seen so far that kids really enjoy it as well, but it just feels like a bit of a, a little bit more of an old-timey kind of a book than my first picture book did. I'm always curious about the particular pocket of childhood that you're you're aiming for, Uh, and and, and children is a very broad term when you talk about readers or or being read to. 
when it comes to a great big night, tell us about who ideally might be doing the reading and who might be doing the listening. Oh, the first thing I thought of when you said that was I would love to have like a nine-year-old read this to their little brother or little sister. Um, That, of course, is something that makes any children's author absolutely thrilled to hear one kid reading to another kid. Right. Because, of course, they're great at the voices. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, of course, picture books, you imagine them after a nice warm bath and everybody's kind of curled up for snuggles. And then the big question is, which, which story do you want? And the kids go running for the shelves. And I think that's that's really what you want. And and ideally, what you want is, is if parents are reading, is you want to write a book that, that they don't go, oh, not that one again. <laughs> <laughs> because there are those picture books that are really, really fun, you know, and seven-year-olds and the repetition and everything else that little kids will love, but that maybe are a little bit more <laughs> tricky for parents to do night after night. So I'm hoping that this is one of the ones that, that becomes a family favorite. Now, you have a lot of tongue twisters in this. Do you happen to have a copy lying around? You could read some to us? Oh, I could, yeah. I'm trying to think of where I would start. So I'll just start at the beginning, and I'll, I'll, I'll end at a bit of a cliffhanger. All right. <laughs> Three traveling players with tidy faces, winking eyes, and a gentle manner pedaled through the great green forest. They rode painted bicycles, with a harpsichord on wagon wheels, a rat-a-tat tom-tom drum, a bump-biddy-bump-biddy-bow-run, and a shiny polished bucket with a lovely rin-tin-tin upside-down sound, and pockets full of whistles, a mandolin and two fiddles, a hundred-year-old golden guitar, a matchbox bass with a spider-silk bow, and a ukulele with stripes like a bumblebee. Teeny tiny cards in teeny tiny wheels went clickety-clack, clickety-clack as they pedaled through the great green forest. The music train was a happy sight, clickety-clackety three on bikes, rolling in for a great big night. Oh, said Rabbit, I know that sound, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Old crow cawed from the tamarack tree, caca, a show, they're here. Porcupine a prickle, otter likes a tickle, ducks a clucky gaggle, turtles neck a saggles, gather round. And the crowd grew. Let's dance a doodle doo. Fox said shush to chickadee. It's almost time to wee to wee. I think I'll stop there. <laughs> that gives you a sense. The cliffhanger. There we are. Yes, well, what happens about next? Have a, big, a big party and then a very big storm. So we don't see Grouse on the scene yet, but he's just about to chortle his way on and break stuff up. So. <laughs> <laughs> the illustrations of A Great Big Night by uh, José Bisseon are, are very colorful and, and they're very dense, too. How did you match up with her for this book? Oh, it was just one of those meant-to-be matches that uh, Nimbus had suggested. And, of course, I already knew about her her work through The Snow Nose, which was a book that had been very acclaimed that she had illustrated. And it, she, it was just beautiful. I mean, the moment they mentioned her name, I just thought, yes! Because I knew, <laughs> I knew that she would be the kind of artist where every page you turn, you see little sort of Easter eggs everywhere, little gifts that you find that, that perhaps you didn't see, even if you've read the book 10 well, times before. Like the, uh, the playing cards that are in the spokes of the bicycle wheels of the frogs. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much on every page, and it's just such a treat. 
And there's so much about it that was so surprising that she brought to it, which is such a wonderful experience for authors when they see an illustrator really add to a manuscript, not just sort of bring it to life in a straightforward way, but to bring it to life in a way that thinks like even surprises the author, which is just so wonderful. Well, Kate, thank you very much for speaking with us today. Great. Thank you. Kate Inglis is the author of A Great Big Night. It's published by Nimbus. If you'd like to comment on a podcast like today's with Kate Inglis, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. If this is the first BookMe you've listened to, we have dozens more with the authors, illustrators, editors, and designers who create books in Atlantic Canada. And tell everyone you know who's a reader. When we add a new interview, we post an alert on Instagram at bookmepodcast. And if you're in the Lunenburg County area, one of our podcasts airs every evening on the nonprofit radio station CHLU 93.7 FM just before sign off around 9 o'clock. BookMe is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. Our producer is Robin Grant and Laura Hines has great big fun launching us into the digital world. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. <laughs> <laughs>